You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It. Uh... Do I do the first first part first? Yeah, then 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 the introduction. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed. The show where you can come to discover the best things you never knew existed, and the show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, "Well, you gotta love it." My name is Koji. I am a part-time blockbuster movie fanatic, and by blockbuster, I don't mean the movie chain that whose last store is about to close its doors. Did you know this? No, I didn't know it. But I'll tell you that I was in Kingston recently and the Blockbuster in downtown Kingston just off Princess Street, for some reason, the building is just still... Like, nobody has taken that space. It's been, like, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's just still there. It still has the Blockbuster, like, window clings. Really? It does, says, like, Game Rush and Does stuff. it still have the big, like, blue t- movie ticket thing? No. Oh, because that'd be sick. Then you just turn it into a, some some kind of like blockbuster themed bar. Yeah. You know, where cool. you show like old VHS tapes of like weird shit playing in the background. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway. Like Dundas video. Yeah. But, like, so, and uh, less cool. I guess full time retro movie fan. If we're going to go down that route uh, with me, as always, is my good friend and black man, Andrew Patterson. <laughs> great. Yeah. Great. Well, it's a good lead in. Yeah. Right. Um, I say that. Because uh, this episode is about a movie starring two black men. Well, one of them is about a movie starring a bunch of black two, people. Two movies that both star individually, independent from each other. They both, they're leading, leading well, one of them, the entire cast is basically black. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, so we are talking about, it's a little bit different than our normal episodes. Uh, we're going to talk about the blockbuster film hit uh black panther and the soon-to-be international blockbuster for some reason question mark uh pacific rim 2 i mean you know it's gonna make like a shit ton of money right yeah i guess so like in like the asian and like whatever market even the, th- even the theater we saw it in there's people that seem to be enjoying it you know mm-hmm. like which is so alien to me Mm-hmm. You know, we're sitting there and there's people like there's audible, like something would happen and you'd hear somebody in the theater go like, oh, ho, ho, and you're just <laughs> like, why are you kidding me? Like, what? <laughs> come so, on. As always, we will start with. Uh, oh, well, first, let's start with an apology. I, I, I missed a couple episodes uh, timeline wise. We just haven't been able to get our shit yeah, together. Couldn't, to, couldn't link up so travel you yeah. know, here and there, you know, yeah. fa- family stuff, life life's life's happening you know yeah yeah and we went on an epic road trip to retrieve a classic car that is now parked in my garage yeah it was pretty cold yeah we we had like these big dreams of recording podcasts in the car on the way back and all this shit and yeah. it's just like as soon as the reality of the situation sunk in we're like oh we can't even move in this yeah car. we can't move it's freezing cold and the car is so loud yeah. you know it's it could not be more of a wake-up call for me you know I'm so used to car, cars these days are made to be silent, you know, like that's yeah. a selling feature. Like, Oh, the new, whatever SUV, it's like, it's a silent ride. And you're like, and it really is. You're in there. You can hear the radio or the, you know, THX sound system in the car, yeah. crystal clear. 
people there, can talk it's no big deal there might be like a slight hum yeah. at most maybe you go over a pothole and you hear like boom, boom. this car it's like you turn it on and you might as well be standing next to the scaffolding for like a fucking falcon 9 rocket like it's like a yeah and there's a switch to make it even louder <laughs> yeah but uh that's what's been taking up a lot of our time recently we did however get a chance to see both black panther and pacific room 2 in theaters so we'll start with the you gotta love it as we wait no we'll start with the hidden gem although not so hidden as we do black panther i know um a big deal has been made about this movie and and i will say that before we actually get into the movie hollywood is kind of weird about things where they're just yeah sorry so like i was saying hollywood is kind of weird they do this thing where they're like you know one movie will take a chance on something like as an example take a chance up in quotes like uh deadpool rated r superhero movie or rated r what blockbuster mm-hmm. and they're like oh fuck it now we can do rated r movies you know yeah and now that uh both get out as like a somewhat indie not indie but like smaller movies made a bunch of money and now black panther as a blockbuster has made a bunch of money starring predominantly black people well pretty much all black people um it's like okay i guess black people can make movies now like mm. as if it was a, a as if it's like a huge revelation that like you know it, yeah. that's a possibility and people want to see it yeah so uh i think that this is maybe the the uh opening of a door into a, an era of filmmaking that isn't like people viewing quote unquote black movies as like medea's boo or mm-hmm. something you know <laughs> yeah um but yeah I know that you, aside from like it being an all black cast, there's a lot to be said about Black Panther. So I'll let you start us off. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's good to acknowledge that though. It would be naive to not acknowledge the reality of the sort of, the sort of social landscape and economic landscape around movie making and sort of the way things work, you know, like I think that you cannot give this movie enough credit for probably hopefully opening that door right but i think that there is a hidden gem even though this movie is not hidden by any means and pretty much everybody saw it i'm going to take a different angle and say there is a hidden gem in that for me when i saw the movie the first time because i saw it twice in theaters the hidden gem is truly hidden in that i have not i've seen hardly anybody talking about what i thought the really important aspects of this movie are because it was so blindingly a black movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, like, it's interesting because I think there's a centrist message to it. Yes. Where people are like, you know, uh, almost lost in the idea or lost, in, like they've lost the idea of the movie because they're focusing on the like, uh, they're like drawing a divide as opposed yeah. to it being like a... Inclusive? Yeah. Yeah, I think like, so the funny thing is that, you know, the most well-meaning, so seeing the movie the first time I saw it like opening, like it was like Thursday it opened or something, Mm -hmm. I can't remember, but like, you know, there's people dressing up. It's like a lot, lot, tons tons of black people coming out to the movies, people are dressing up, it's like a crazy occasion, that's awesome. People are excited about it, great. 
then even people that saw the movie, they're like talking about how exciting it was to see the audience so diverse and to see so many, so many visible minorities come out to a movie. And it's just kind of like, okay, you know, even, even my folks saw it and that was their, their comment was like, they're like, yeah, the movie was pretty good. But the thing that we enjoyed the most was like seeing the crowd. And it was just like, uh, okay. That's interesting. That wasn't even on my radar. No, but I, well, it was on my radar only because, I mean, you know how I feel gen as a generalization about whitewashing. I'm pretty, uh, the, this whole issue about of whitewashing and whether it's an issue or not to me, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted about it, but generally feel like, uh, you know, it's somebody who kind of identifies in between, uh, like in many, many ways. And one of those ways being racially is somebody who's mixed race, um, but who has essentially lived a version of the black experience mm-hmm. in Canada because everybody just sees me as black. Nobody like says like, oh, hey, it's that 50%, 50%, get, you know, 50, 50, get, like people just see me as black. I think, I think everyone so, who is in, uh, mixed race sort of situation it, that's the case like if, absolutely when i go to asia they're yeah. just like oh you're a white dude yeah you know and here they're like oh you're not white yeah exactly but i'm just saying so i feel like this whole it all that stuff matters so much less to me and i i'm definitely cognizant of the fact that it's due to where i live i'm lucky enough to be born in a place where i feel like you know there's enough of a foundation that I can, I have the luxury of that perspective, you know, as somebody who's mixed race living in Southern Ontario, where like, I I see other people getting very upset about a lot of these things. And some of it I think is, is very valid. And some of it, I'm just like, okay, but like, who cares, you know, like just, right. you know? Uh, and so anyway, the, all of that is to say that this idea of whitewashing and sort of minorities, visible minorities needing to see somebody that looks like them, you know, like to, to have somebody to look up to. Right. I understand it, but I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with it only because, uh, again, my circumstances allowed me to, it just seems very foreign to me. Like growing up, I wasn't like, you know, I just looked up to who I looked up to, you know, my idols, the the actors, the athletes, the musicians, the people, the artists, the people that I was like, Oh, this is somebody who is doing something that's to be admired or to be held on like a pedestal they didn't like it was just whoever it didn't matter like it literally race mattered not at all right um like the idea of race the idea of ethnicity so going into this movie i was excited and also kind of frustrated because i felt like having just read the tanahitsi coats run on black panther and being really into the character and the nuance in the storyline where it was within a, a one group of minorities that like they were talking about social issues instead of essentially blaming it on colonialism or, um, you know, t- telling it through the lens of the visible minority being, you know, considered the other and being sort of like, like he, he was able to tell an amazing story that showed that there are more shades of gray than that. And that there are issues within these, uh, these minorities that affect everybody, you know? Sure. So I was, I was like, oh man, people are just so wrapped up in the idea where it's like finally a movie for black people, you know, finally a, a black superhero, finally all this. And it was kind of like my conflict going into it was I was like, well, yeah, but there's also like cool shit at play here that like people are not. So for me, when I saw the movie, mm-hmm. um, let me stop me if I'm rambling, but when I saw the movie, no, no. the most frustrating part about it was that 
I thought that the movie knocked that aspect out of the park in terms of the hidden gem of the movie being that there was a lot of nuance and there are a lot of issues and concepts that the movie talks about. In fact, I think very central to the storyline of the movie that people couldn't even see because they were so excited that it was like an all black everything movie, you know? Well, I th- so I think the biggest problem is because it, the way the story is told, it's, uh, I mean, very similar to Thor, the first Thor, or some of these other superhero movies where it's like, there's a family dissension in the family, although they're not, I don't know if they're blood related or what, it doesn't matter though. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's one sort of usurper who, who's, disagrees with the way things are being run and Mm -hmm. so on its surface the Mm -hmm. story is very much just like another story that's been told without i mean the moral is very different obviously because Mm -hmm. it's about a nation who cuts himself off from the rest of the world but so i think it's, it's very easy for somebody to watch this movie and just be like okay well this is a superhero movie like the rest of the superhero movies mm-hmm. because it has that similar storyline mm-hmm. and everybody's black. So that's yeah. what, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. But that's right? what I mean about the hidden gem that, that the genius of the movie is to me based on like reading reviews and reading like responses and even talking about it with people. Yeah. But it, I still like, that's the, that's what makes it so good. And it, like nobody I, is appreciating I, that. No, I agree. It's, it's just like, so crazy. It's, su- it's a little bit subtly nuanced, you know, but like, so yes and no there's a point in the movie i i'm at this point i'm assuming everybody has seen this movie because it's fucking like who hasn't seen this movie if you haven't i'll give you two seconds right now to go see it but we have to talk about specific details so okay okay now i'm assuming that you paused and went and saw the movie there's a point where t'challa says to his ancestors he yells at them we were wrong yeah right because of a decision they made it's not subtle at all no, and, no, but and and even though he's talking about something specific, I feel like it should be very clear at that point that he's talking about more than just one event. He's talking about the way that they have. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you, but I think that some people are watching this comic book sort of not sci-fi, like adventure, yeah, whatever fantasy, Afrofuturist fantasy movie, yeah. and and are not applying this to actual life. And, no, and by that I which mean is a like, shame, but right, but the the idea of uh, people saying like we have a good life, everything's good for us, we're happy, and it's just going to bring more hardship for us to like try and make other people's lives better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it it's best for our people if we just you close off and just say you know, things are good. Let's just keep it as it, as it is. And mm-hmm. the, the world can fend for itself because like they don't, they don't want our help. So mm-hmm. fuck them anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. That's essentially what's going on in the movie. But like, I, I don't know how many people are watching this movie being like, you know, as an American or North American, mm-hmm. uh, audience goer thinking to themselves like, yeah, maybe we should like help the world, even though our lives are pretty sweet. Like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who watch this movie and turn around the next day being like, oh, fuck the rest of the world, man. If they don't want our help, fuck them. Like, my yeah. life's good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess it's just uh, the reason why I feel like it's, oh, I guess it's almost a little surprising to me is because a lot of the hype around this movie before it came out and then when it came out is so inherently tied to social issues but that th- you think that people would have been a little bit more aware. Think about the conversation we just had about this movie before we did the podcast. Yeah. Where somebody was just like, 
Well, you know, it's just a fucking superhero movie. So absolutely, I, I went into the theater and I was like, oh, they have like, like spaceships and and guns and like this guy can jump like ten feet in the air. It's like, I, this movie's silly. Yeah, you know. And then like somebody explained to me afterwards that it was about these other things, and you're like, oh fuck, you know. Like I'm sure there's a lot of people, and this isn't like a left right. Uh, conservative whatever thing it's just like i'm sure there are even a lot of people not even i'm sure there are a lot of people who who go to see this movie are like yes black stars doing uh you know representing me whatever and they're just being like sick movie that guy's so strong and he like ripped that thing apart and it was 100 percent 100 percent there's even vi- like videos of people doing like uh you know like an uh, an office that is like largely black people after seeing black panther and it's like this whole you know lots of racial humor type type videos where it's like uh, black empowerment and all that kind of stuff. But I would just say I really would challenge people regardless of your background, regardless of the color of your skin. If you're listening to this podcast, go watch the movie again. On the one hand, it is just a great movie, but try to just think, you know, just try to absorb some of the, the deeper just go one layer deeper because the, the real so, world implications there's so many interesting conversations in this movie about um protectionism like you, to your point about yeah. people you know which is obviously very prevalent right now in real life but beyond that even just like you know i i've said sort of ad nauseum on and mostly off the show that's something that uh, i've noticed in toronto in recent years is that a place that always felt, you know, as far as racial issues go, very open and safe is becoming a little bit scary, not necessarily because of racism, but because visible minorities in their discomfort and anger and fear, everybody is like becoming more divided, Mm -hmm. um, sort of under the guise of it being a positive, empowering thing. It's like actually drawing more attention to what makes us different than what makes us the same. Right. And so what I think is interesting about this movie, particularly for visible minorities that are so excited that this movie represents them to really pay attention to some of the things they're saying in the movie, because as, as anybody who's seen it knows with the exception of Martin Freeman, the movie takes place almost entirely within one minority ethnic culture. And a lot of the things that they're, they're talking about are the different ways that, people behave within one ethnicity and you know how people i guess interpret and and act on their relationship to everybody else and uh i would also argue that at the end of the movie it's like the 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 message essentially is like okay so we're this insular community of african people but like essentially we are the same as you know these like poor white people yeah poor in, poor black people poor white people yeah everywhere everywhere else yeah and there's I, th- I would even go so far as to say there are moments where to me probably biased because it kind of reflects my 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 feelings on the issue there's pretty scathing commentary that's basically saying like get your head out of your ass yeah. you know like people won't like that but like it's true you know mm-hmm. even here it's like this you know I don't know. Anyway, I, I honestly could go on for hours. If any, and if anybody wants to chat, you know, fucking, you know, you know how to get me going. Just shoot oh. me a message. But like, this is so like I could go on an Andrew style rant about all of this because it's like the one of the only things in life. Like I'm a pretty relaxed 
whatever. Mm-hmm. Like even when I'm upset, I'm like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. But like <laughs> one of the things that like really gets me boiling is when people draw these lines. When it's yeah. like, when it's just like, I mean, especially now, and I, uh, you know, we'll we'll get off this in a second, but like we live in a time where I think people, some people feel like they are defined by their outrage, mm-hmm. which is just like what I am upset about is what, but they don't even see it as upset. What I'm passionate about air mm-hmm. quotes is like what defines me. So like if, uh, you know, if I'm like, a Asian person or whatever, and I see somebody, uh, whatever, wearing a kimono, and I'm like, hey, fuck you, man, that's mine. Like, yeah. but I think that w- I understand the the sort of like want to stop people from or seeing like seeing a white guy with dreads as an example is like something that really upsets some people, mm-hmm. and I can un- I can understand the like wanting to be like, hey, that doesn't belong to you, that belongs to me, but that sort of attitude is what eventually causes divides in people like and it's that little i mean this might be a butterfly effect slippery slope sort of argument but it's that little divide like that schism that sort of like can start to break apart more and more to a point where like one person doesn't understand the other person you know absolutely i mean you know that i yeah Yeah. i completely i couldn't agree more and i get furious at people who who like i mean Cultural appropriation is a real thing, but in context, it has to be contextualized. Yeah. You know, like not every white person with dreads is like the devil. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, I, again, I have the privilege of not feeling particularly tied to one thing. And I, I don't know whether people feel trapped in genetics, but like we are literally all the same thing. And the thing that it's frustrating is that the world is getting smaller and smaller. And if people don't learn how to, to engage in a healthy way with give and take where everything is concerned, you know? Like, I'm not just talking about across classes and and supporting the needy and people who, you know, are vulnerable and need help, but I mean, like, culturally, Mm -hmm. you know? These things that we've come to define as, like, ours or theirs and the way that we define the other and the way that we define ourselves and our identity by, like, Things that, particularly things that are tied to ethnic culture as opposed to like subculture and things that are created as a meeting and a, and a clash and a mingling of these things. Yeah. You're fucking going to have a really hard time, man, because it's going to get harder for you, not easier, you know? And the more that you struggle to like keep these things separate, yeah, the more conflict it's going to cause. And it's like there's a point where there is a healthy way of doing it. Yeah. And I think that too few people are striving to find that and are just looking at ways to try to keep things separate. Yeah. Because that's how that's what they 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 want to maintain that purity and you know maybe it's the way that they were raised their whole life that these these are the things that are important but like well on that note I'd like you all to rise up with me uh, my own personal outrage that I'd like you guys to take on as far as cultural appropriation is concerned the sushi burrito yeah who the fuck are you to take <laughs> a these piece two of disparate <laughs> yeah. And then it's it's the it's the hit of Queen Street. Yeah. You fucking racists. No, I'm just kidding. You kidding? Uh, me? Um but you know, talking about mixing of cultures and some weird shit. Uh let's talk about kaijus and and robots. Um <laughs> because I feel like our next movie uh has no such message in it. Yeah. Uh Well, actually actually sorry, go on. Oh no, tell me. Tell me if I've missed it. We're going to talk about Pacific Rim 2. And 
this is an interesting uh, movie for the both of us, I think, because I didn't like it, but Andrew, uh, well, no, I should, sorry, I didn't like the first one, but Andrew was like adamantly <laughs> against the first one. Really didn't enjoy it. And so, ever since the second one was announced, especially the fact that it's starring Johnny Boyega, um, John Boy, Boy Johnny you know? B, yeah, uh, Johnny Boy, it. Uh, a lot of our friends have been like, "Hey, Andrew, you see this?" See this movie that's coming out, huh? Huh? It's starring your favorite guy, yeah. Finn the Stormtrooper. Exactly. So yeah. we went out and saw it, so you don't have to, question mark. But uh yeah, this falls into that category. We haven't done one of those in a while. It could be. Or it could not be. But uh yeah, what did you think of this movie? Because uh, again, like we said at the top of the show, uh starring a you know, very famous at this point black actor, mm-hmm. but not at all about uh, sort of culture in that way, like yeah. It, Will he be this generation's uh, Will Smith? Unlike Black Panther, no, no. Wh- which move, which the, you know, the movie's kind of one of its centering features was that it was about race in some way. This mm-hmm. movie is not about that at all. No, which is what I was going to say is nice because yes. I feel like this would be a perfect example. As shitty as it was, is not a good movie, but of a post people having their heads up their asses and being super concerned about race and who's cast as what in a movie world wherein the cast runs the gamut fucking old young white black asian whatever you know like various it's it's like Because the because the premise for both movies it exists in a world where the world has essentially had to unite against a larger threat. Yeah. It's it's at a point where we don't even need to worry about that, and they and to their credit in both movies they don't really talk about that. You right. Know, other than occasional political like, oh yeah, like the Germans built this robot and the you know the UK built this for this is the UK's Jaeger. They don't say like. But I think they're referring to it more as a geographic location as yes. opposed to a yeah. people. Yeah. And it's just about how the world has come together, which, and and they tell that, you know, that that is portrayed in a very sort of easygoing summer blockbuster, like PG naive way. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, this is how it is now. Exposition right in the beginning, just the world has united against these monsters. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's all you need to know. But what's nice about that is that it definitely paves the way for it to be, you know, it doesn't matter who is what. And the one thing that I will say that even though it made absolutely zero fucking sense from an explaining it, perspective yeah if you've seen the first movie idris elba is sort of like the leader of this this war against these giant monsters Mm -hmm. and he has an adopted daughter who is asian great cool and furthermore similar to fantastic four the reboot that had uh michael b jordan in it and kmar and all and and uh miles teller etc my tell my tell uh they didn't make a big deal out of it. They made a big deal out of sort of how he came to find her, right? Because she was in the ruins of this destroyed city and she'd been orphaned or whatever. But again, they don't make it weird. Other characters aren't like throughout the movie, at least I don't remember them being like, ooh, you know, like that doesn't make sense. Or like, oh, that's his, you know, like that's his daughter. Like yeah, it's, it's not just, like a... It's just the case. It's just the case. Yeah. In the second movie, you come to find out that John Boyega, the star of this movie, is actually Idris Elba's son. Yeah, his genetic son, who was nowhere to be found in the first movie, and once again, I don't remember it, but isn't even, isn't even, isn't even mentioned 
right? He's not yeah. mentioned in passing, even in the first movie. It's just yeah. like he has an adopted daughter. That's it. In this movie, they don't they don't really explain that at all. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, he trained to be like a a, a Jaeger pilot. pilot, but like something something he something. Out. Yeah, yeah, he washed out, and it's not a big deal. But what I did like about this was that similarly, because the daughter, his sister, is in the movie. Yeah. They don't make a big deal out of again. And and this is something for me, not like a cause that I am crusading behind, but I'm yeah. like, as a mixed race child of adoption, I'm like, God, we need, there is a stigma around it. And like, but it makes sense, right? Because yeah. if, if you grew up as a child amongst these people and raised, you know, this is your sister, this is your brother, whatever, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't come back years later and be like, yo, you're Asian though. Like it's, no, I, I, yeah, I know a hundred percent. I can, I can personally attest to the fact that it's not like a, I mean, everybody has a different experience, but I'm just yeah. saying that I think that as, 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 as not central to the plot as it is, it's right. important just as it's important but to like show I, that it can be. I just think that if the movie took a different tone, like from a Hollywood standpoint, most people watching would be like, oh yeah, okay. I guess like, you know, it's weird that they're, yeah, whatever. And if they acknowledged it. No one would bat an eyelash, but like from like a real life perspective, like how could you live with somebody who's your sister for like 20 some odd years and then just suddenly be like, oh, you're so different from me. Like, it, yeah, it would, that just would never happen. In no, real life. it wouldn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was a very minor thing, a very minor detail. But I was like, oh, like, that's cool. I like it when a movie, even a movie that's as like, like as stupid and goofy and over the top, I think, and I think it's because they just don't even think about it. I don't think right. it's like because they are intentionally trying to like downplay it. It's just like, they're like, oh shit, we want this one to have John Bag as his son, but yeah. like he had an adopted, you know, okay, whatever. Let's not worry about it. Right. Let me ask you a question about, uh, acknowledging, not acknowledging, mm-hmm. whatever. Do you think <clears throat> that the guy that John Boyega is kind of like competing with, uh, in the like Jaeger facility, Right, yeah. like the his old like co-pilot or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that it was supposed to be Charlie Hunnam and he just didn't want to do it? You know, because there's no acknowledgement. I didn't even think of that. There's no I acknowledgement of Charlie Hunnam in this movie whatsoever. Like they talk about Idris Elba until the cows come home, but n- they don't even acknowledge that he was in the first movie and he is the main character of the first movie, right? Yeah. So like. When immediately following the movie, I was like, yo, I bet that was supposed to be Charlie Hunnam. Because that would make a lot of sense, right? Yeah. If he was the one giving um, giving John Boyega a hard time for not living up to his father's legacy, yeah. because he'd have a reason to like have a vested interest in his in yeah. his father's legacy, right? True. Do you think that, that it might that he might have been if that should yeah, have been maybe. his role? Maybe he was like shooting Arthur or something and or he was just like, I'm not gonna do another one of these movies. Yeah. I wonder. I haven't done any research. Could be. No, me either. But like that's I'm, 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 that's the first thing that came up in my mind. Second question for you. Yeah. Do you think that this movie was better than the first one? Um, yes. But the reason that I think that is because I didn't like the first one. And thus, it had fully prepared me for what the second one could be. Mm-hmm. And because everything was established in the first one and they didn't spend time explaining things that drove me nuts yeah as like plot devices that i thought were just completely superfluous like completely useless and unnecessary 
since those things had already been established, I just watched it as like what everybody told me made the first one good, which is just it's like a beat 'em up robot movie, yeah. and it was easier for me to swallow. Yeah, so I would say um, I also liked it better than the first one. This is part of the you gotta love it section of it. Like, I did enjoy it. Like, I've never watched it again, and nor would I probably tell people to go see it. But like, from a pure just like I have nothing to do tonight perspective, watching this movie was fine. Because, like you said, my main issues with the first movie were most of the conceits of the movie. Like, it wasn't the storyline. I mean, the storyline wasn't great either, but it wasn't like the storyline or the acting or whatever. It was just like the idea. Well, weird. The idea that this. Is that your car? Of what this movie was based on was like ridiculous to me like why would you build humanoid robots to fight monsters and like from a from an engineering perspective it doesn't make sense because like it's on two legs right Mm -hmm. so easy to knock down Mm -hmm. at least if it was three legs like a tripod or whatever like you wouldn't be able to push it over but in this case it's just so easy like it's not a stable design what what is the point other than to just have a pointless plot mechanism of having the drift like having the two pilots per thing. Like, oh, we build these machines so big that you have to have two people to pilot them. Like, what are you, what? That I guess no they're sense. trying to introduce like some sort of conflict, you know? And like, yeah. Well, that's my point. It's like it's a buddy like not, comedy not type thinking thing? through the, like introducing that kind of conflict, which you could just as easily have if they were individual pilots. Right. But like, you'd think that if we had to fight off these things, we would just build giant war machines, not humanoid yeah. robots. Anyway, but all or the- use the guns first instead of running in and using your fists and then realizing that you have like a one shot sword or like missile launchers in your shoulders or like some sort of energy weapon. And right. You, you know, like and so, the idea is to keep them away from the cities, not. <laughs> and so I think that you going into the second film, you know already that like this is the world that they built. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be these robots with at, at minimum Mm-hmm. spoiler alert at minimum two pilots yeah right and you know that like they're you know it, it's just going to be this type of situation and so going into it it almost eases the pain because like you're not angry about that stuff anymore yeah, but, you're just yeah. like ah all right yeah it, I, this, that's it's established that's at this how point if you're going to see the second one after seeing the first one it's like your own fault yeah you know and i think uh i will say this is the love it slash hate it thing so the first one i complained about how much you know i want an a a western giant robot live action movie but the first one borrowed so much people you could make an art it's up for debate whether it's paying homage to or just stealing but almost every giant robot anime was heavily borrowed from for the first movie in ways that were like comically like you're just like oh that's exactly pulled from ava for example this one does that to an even greater extent in which there are shots where i'm like for anybody that's seen the end of ava there's a sequence where a number of completed ava units the avas being the robots are being flown in via like giant stealth bomber but they're actually uh the plot is basically over the last part of that series there are these things where they're essentially ai controlled pilots so they don't have to use human pilots anymore and they get corrupted for one reason or another. There's a group of people that are sort of manipulating them. And 
the remaining robots that have these AI pilots go rogue and they turn into these kind of biological hybrid creatures. Right. I mean, anybody that's watched Ava knows that I just butchered that, but that's basically the thrust of it. This movie, the sequel, both the interesting plot point and also the annoying thing for me is basically pulled directly from that, wherein... Well, this movie is like three different movies. Yeah. There's, packed into one movie. There, there is a, a massive corporation that has developed these cores, these AI cores to pilot Jaegers to yeah. replace human pilots. So but, at, at one point, I think to myself like, oh, this movie isn't going to be about them fighting kaijus. It's going to be about this corporation that is using this 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 like robot technology to take try and take over the world. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. But there's even a sequence in the movie. But that would have been interesting, right? It would have been interesting. Yeah. Anyway, go on. There's even a sequence in this movie, much like End of Ava, where a series of white Jaegers are dropped into a city. Yeah. The AI cores are activated, but they're corrupted. But they're 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 biological also. Biological, but we don't know that at first because it yeah. just looks like a robot core and then it explodes and there's like an alien brain in them. Yeah. And then they all transform to look sort of like hybrids of robots and biological organisms and proceed to fight the Jaegers exactly like in End of Ava. There's even a shot where one of the Jaegers is walking down the street firing like a chain gun and the shell casings are so big that they're falling and it shows a shot between its legs. They're like crushing cars and stuff. Yeah. Just like in Ava. And I'm sure that probably has happened in Gundam like a billion times. So those things were cool, but I was just like, oh, this is just like they somebody wa was like, okay, we got to do some research, watched a bunch of anime. And then they were like, oh, this is exactly what we need. You know what, though? If the movie was really good. Yeah. That's the type of shit that we'd be losing our mind about. Of course. You know, like we'd yeah. be like, oh, this movie's so sick. And it was like from like the scene scenes, from Ava. Yeah. These scenes from like my favorite shit. It's yeah. Just like they put that totally. in there like. I understand. They understand. Like, this yeah. movie's amazing. Yeah. You know? And and the one Jaeger that all the Jaegers are so big and clunky and sort of American robot-esque. But then there was one in this movie that was like sleek and orange and looked kind of like an Ava and was like doing all kinds of ninja shit. Yeah. Like flips and stuff and that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. It, we we haven't even talked about the Transformers aspect of this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, it was basically borderline ch children's movie at yeah. points. Except for like all the weird sexual in innuendo that goes on in the movie like charlie day and like the alien brain yeah yeah <laughs> but uh which was a i found that scene to be genuinely creepy yeah and out of place like when i saw that i was like "Ooh, that's like weirdly disturbing it's because the rest of the movie is like wacky and cheesy yeah in like a transformers uh what's his name uh michael bay well no i was gonna say uh mark Wahlberg type of way oh yeah or shia you know or boy shia yeah i mean it's almost comical mm -hmm. when the movie started and the tone of, of like John Boyega's character and he meets that girl. You mean exactly I, the same way that Finn is in Force Awakens? Maybe, but like yes. the rest of the movie, like Force Awakens doesn't entirely have that tone. You know, like mm. he has that tone, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't, I, I would argue that not every character in the movie is just like, so crazy whimsical but like this uh, this okay like who who isn't crazy whimsical this movie i felt like i was watching like chitty chitty bang bang or something <laughs> you know yeah. uh like look at my wacky robot sidekick yeah like, Woo! <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah totally. um who wasn't i mean i i don't think that uh i think the evil characters were pretty non-whimsical they weren't like amazingly what? acted but like i i mean whatever i have no problems <laughs> with adam driver but i don't think he was like you know, like over the top hammy. He just was 
not the character people wanted. Mm. You know. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, though. I mean, I, you know, it had its moments. What's your favorite part of the movie? My favorite part of the movie, um, I mean, fuck, man, definitely not anything in the beginning. The the Jaeger on Jaeger fight was pretty cool in uh, wherever that was, like when they had, the one came out of the ocean and like kicked the shit out of all of them. Like, yeah. It's definitely the action. It's, it has nothing to do with the... I do like that they tried to do some sort of... It wasn't just like the kaiju are back, you know? Like, yeah. Or a kaiju comes from space or something. Like it was like they did try to do... There was some nuance in the plot and it was kind of interesting, mm-hmm. the angle where there's sort of a bit of a red herring and that you think it's going to be this evil corporation, but it turns out they're not evil. They were just being taken advantage of by yeah. somebody in their midst. So that, you know, it, 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 to me, I think they put, despite all evidence to the contrary, I feel like they put more effort into this one yeah. almost, even though, but I will say as far as ro- it's a number two movie, you know, as like, far as like robot battles are concerned and I will say nothing about the movie whatsoever. I will give no indication as to my feeling towards it, but I think that ready player one did it better. Mm. that's all i'm gonna say that's all i'm gonna say ready player one's a whole different discussion for another time but uh yeah so i think my favorite part of the movie i love i love josh's reaction (laughs) 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 well but okay Uh, again to not to not say anything about the movie or how we felt about it or whatever my friend josh is not really a sci-fi uh (laughs) Or CGI movie. You just looked fans. And so I think he wasn't exactly sure what he was getting himself into. But he read the book though, right? Yeah. yeah and he liked the book. Yeah, but like it's a little bit different. Yeah. Sure. You know. It's just one, one <laughs> I, person I just looked at you and you're like I so saw your noted your reaction and then yeah. I thought that he was just like stretching his legs, but he was just like <laughs> just incensed. Yeah. He just wanted to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Um, uh, well, so that won't be my recommendation for the week, <laughs> I guess. But uh, um, yeah. Anyway, I, it was it was fine. It was fine. You know, like I I liked it better than the first one, which is which is it says a lot, I think. Um, but as far as you you gotta love it's concerned, like this. This is the epitome of one of those movies you could shut your brain off and watch and be like, mm-hmm. oh, it's fine. The fight scene on the ice was pretty cool. Also, also a fight scene. Yeah. It was like sweet. Yeah. I mean, this is a popcorn movie. And like we said earlier on, the things that upset us about the first one that kind of distracted me from enjoying the first movie. I already knew going into this movie, so it wasn't a problem. Um, Yeah. Recommendations for the week. I know what mine is. Shoot then, because I drew a blank. It's really stupid. I watched it yesterday on Netflix, but Elise and I really enjoyed it. It's called Game Over, man. Oh, yeah. I want to watch that yeah. with uh, it's the Workaholics crew. Yeah. Adam Devine, um, Anders Holm, <clears throat> and Blake. I can't remember what his last name is. But uh, it is it is so dumb. But like if you if you are a child of the 90s action movie era and, you know, like Die Hard, like these other movies, <coughs> it's obviously a play on that to a large extent. And uh, I thought it was pretty funny. So... You know, check it out in a dumb way. Uh, I'll recommend music, as I frequently do, um, in keeping with the sort of nerdy theme. Mm-hmm. I suppose it would have been more... I mean, yeah, comics, Black Panther, robots. Uh, I'm going to recommend the new 
collaborative album between Starface and MF Doom or Doom. I knew how, I fucking as soon as I saw that online, I was like, oh, Andrew's going to be all over this. Have you heard it? No, it's good. So for anybody who's not familiar, uh, I was turned on to Starface by my friend Kagan. The cover's cool. Uh, all their yeah, all their covers are very comic book esque of all of their records. In fact, for Record Store Day last year, they released a comic like a twelve inch by twelve inch comic book mm-hmm. with a record in it. Um, it's the rapper's Seven uh, L and Esoteric. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but what they are known for, in addition to their sort of '90s style of rapping. I don't know Wu Tang esque. If you're into that kind of thing, uh, none of this. They they don't they don't they don't deal in this sort of digitized mumble rap type stuff. So if that's what you're into, you may not enjoy this. It's very clearly yeah. enunciated, blazing, brilliant raps. But they rap about nerdy shit. Yeah, and like they're kind of like there's each song will have like a minimum of. I don't know, a minimum of 10 comic book characters, like so- deep cuts too, not yeah. just like they're just saying something about Spider-Man. Like, Well, I mean, MF Doom, his persona is almost like Dr. Doom. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this, anyway, this is a collaboration between those two acts. Uh, lots of people are familiar with Doom, so like I don't really need to describe him and mm-hmm. Starface, you know, less people maybe, but um, I actually can't remember what the record's called. We'll like find, we'll put that in the description, but definitely check it out because it's... Uh, it's pretty good. It's got also it has an amazing song. The song that we should queue up. Yeah. It's called Phantoms and it also features Open Mike Eagle. Okay. Phantoms. And it's great. Alright guys, check that out. Uh, until next week, keep loving it. Yeah, just the fancy anthem. Travel in a trio, or maybe just some random. It's random. Find one ticket grandson for ransom. Got him with his hands all in the cookie jar. Playing hooky, getting drunk. Later on, took your car. Solar mission till infinity. Got a bone to pick. Type of phantom will forever remain on your ship list. The other one be good advice. Well dressed, real nice. Knows your worth, sets the price. Keep you out the hood for life. Think that would suffice, but really it's just the beginning. Third one got you drunk and high, running around here chasing women. Wife wonder how you diss fam and disgrace the children. Dude is wired like that, it's still in all case building. Tracks, double tracks, shorties with the bubble fats. I can romp a trouble jack. Phantom set another trap. Bet your life double that. Think you're having fun, in fact. Slipping one too many times, may not be no coming back. Coming back, coming back. Never let it happen. Lose your phone, tell side chick, get the packet. Other phantom, write it all down and get the rap. The ghost to my apartment, he had too many hit points. He bested me and told me I should have invested in Bitcoin. And then he lit joints and offered me a Fanta can. He drove a Phantom, then he started second Fantagram. Well, damn, I'm like, isn't this convenient? It didn't take a thing is to sniff it as something fiendish. He introduced himself and said, what's your name? For the next four days, we played the exquisite corpse game. I sold my soul to him for some new high tops. Told the Phantom guys my hand and I drew Cyclops. The best wrestlers get possessed to do high Hey, I stayed toasting and smoking new side by year. My man was kind of the best ghost. He gifted me a new rap book that's probably a death note. He was the homie though. We shared the same virtues. He showed me his soul once. Now only wear church shoes. Turned out he wasn't dead, just very fatigued. My apologies, I buried the lead. I'm real bad at telling stories, y'all. I probably should have told y'all from the beginning that he wasn't, he wasn't really dead.
I used to hop the B train, always out for more wrecks. Smoke blunts with danger, trouble at my doorstep. Stared death in the face, left him with the sore neck. The devil himself can't resist the raw dialect. Clash with the titans, rob stores with Lucifer. Seduce the temptress, treats him with Medusa. The phantoms, they surround me like Dolby sound. Like they seen a live nigga in the ghost town. Never was afraid of the dark. I was goody, man. I learned early. The boogeyman is fam. They say I'm evil, and my mind is twisted. I say I'm godly. My lines is wicked. Haley Joe Osmond. I see fake niggas, grave diggers, goons, trolls, shapeshifters. I always feel like somebody watching me. Slaying demons on the rag. Shotgun with Constantine. Fuck a phantom, I'm fed up with phony fantasies, fake Fugazi fantasies, fam. We fought for family, foes feeling free to forge confetti and fame. They fabricated, fascinating, like a Frank Fazetta frame. Fools falsify facts, friends figure it's fine. They fail to fix the fraudulent to formulate a Frankenstein for real. You focus fuzzy like footage to the flash. Heard a first barrel fossil found, fetch a glass. Force it, force it, force it down fast, cause floods in the forecast. You don't know a fraction, forget the half. Your financial future's finished Phantoms got you free-falling for females The fish for the fictitious 